I'm not sure I know how to do this. I really don't. I, 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 I've got to figure this out. This is The Blathering. I'm Ken Napsuck. It's episode 57 of an ongoing series of a man collapsing into a microphone. Uh, I, I had only a week off. I think I only missed one show. We did the show right before I flew out, expressed uh, some, you know, anxious emotions towards flying and going to a new country. And I'm good with flying and wasn't sure, long flight, all that stuff. And, and I said on the show, I predicted that I was going to get through this. I was going to do this. I was going to go to London, going to go to Paris, have, have a great time. And, then, and, and that, that this international, I almost said intergalactic, but for me, it's pretty much the same thing. International flight uh, obstacle would be conquered. And it would be, it seems so normal to me that I'd want to do it almost immediately. And I'm ready. You want to, you want to, you want to fly me to London next week? I'll go. You want to send me to Paris next month? I'll go. It's such a great time. Um, exhausted. I'm still recovering. I'm still a little sick. <clears throat> you can hear, <clears throat> you hear the, <clears throat> ah, but it was, it was, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. And I want to, I want to do the, you know, boring guy at a party thing and just sit here and tell you every little detail and uh, all those things. I have, I have a lot of pictures I haven't posted. You know, Instagram's great. I love Instagram. And there's apparently something new. There's a new social media app that's out there. That's like, I don't know, like just pictures. Imagine it's like we go back in time. Eventually we, we move things so forward that eventually someone's like, you know what? What if we just used horses all the time instead of cars? Like there's an app out there. Jennifer Landa was just telling me about it. It's like, she's like, I don't know. It's like Instagram, but just pictures like Instagram used to be. Maybe I'll go there, but I do love Instagram. I even like some of the video stuff. I've been posting reels. I've been doing that. You know, I like doing that stuff. It's a good time. It's a good time for all, right? Well, except for the people who hate me, but uh, I also just like the pictures and I do post on Vero. I haven't posted in a while. Literally my friend, Scott Anthony is the only one, uh, a talented actor and, and just an insightful gentleman. He's the only person I think. And I think ball drop McGee, a longtime listener, uh, first time, witch. she, she's liked a couple of my photos on Vero, but on that, no one's on there. And I like posting pictures for myself there, but I might get back to it for the France thing. Follow me on Vero. But I, I have a lot of photos from France and London that I want to post. I, I did post a few from London, but I have more from Paris I haven't posted. And I feel like Instagram could easily tip into that relative that took a, a world around the world trip and comes back with a slideshow. Remember goddamn slideshows? You have to be of a certain age. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. I, I just isn't generational humor, but it's possible that there's some youngsters out there that are like slides. What are you talking like? Like in the playground? Is this a reference to me and Julio down by the school year? What's going on with you, old man? But no slides, slideshows, the the little you know little canister of slides, and, and there'd be those relatives that'd be like, "Well, I just went to Morocco. Everyone gather around, uh, grab a space in in, in the couch on the, at the family reunion." Um, we're uh, we're doing this. Uh, you're going to go through every photo I took, whether uh, you like them or not, whether I like them or not, whether the people in the photos like them or not. You're going to see them. And I have a lot of those photos I took, uh, particularly Paris. It was working in London. We did get a chance to travel uh, into the city a couple times. Um, special special shout out to uh, 
uh, Sarah Scrimshaw, uh, wife of uh, Four Center partner Joseph Scrimshaw, and Joseph himself too, both familiar with London enough that they kind of guided me and Grace around some parts of the city after uh, you know our, our day of work had ended at the Star Wars Celebration convention. Uh, but I, I didn't. London was work more than play. Paris was all play, squeezed into two and a half wonderful days. Um, I, 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 I gotta say, fell in love with the city. Um, I do, London has a vibe I like. It's my grumpy, cloudy sky kind of uh, vibe, but, uh, Paris, the weather was insane, including one hailstorm that years from now, I think Grace will look, uh, Grace and I will look back as uh, a romantic moment in our lives. But in, in the moment it was terror, uh, leaving the Eiffel tower, going to a restaurant for dinner. And we had to cross uh, one of those wonderful bridges over the, the river Seine and, um, I don't know if I say that right. Cien? Uh, you see Cien. Uh, she, she kept telling me I say it wrong. Um, it, suddenly, um, the raindrops falling on our head turned into a sharp, aggressive, like mean hail that like might have scarred my face. So uh, anyways, a lot of things there. I'm excited. And I, I, it's one of those things. I, I did it. And it seems small travel to big cities in two other countries. Whoop-de-doo. It happens every day. But as I, I said before, it, it's just something I, I just didn't, it just wasn't part of my life growing up. And it's one of those things, like, I, I got oddly emotional. Um, first, full, yeah, first full day in London. We got there Thursday. We left Wednesday, got there Thursday. That That is a mind fuck of a time jump. Uh, and I can only imagine uh, Japan or New Zealand, Australia, I, you know, put me in a great Scott body with a time machine. It messed me up. But we got there Thursday. We said we had a little dinner. I walked around in some English rain, walk around the block. But it was like, let me get to the hotel room and, and try to, we got a convention in the morning. Big full day, Star Wars celebration on Friday. But then we kind of wandered into the city and, and um, took the tube. They call it the tube there. I don't know if you know that. Uh, we call them subways. They call it the tube. I'm going to do that now. I'm going to be that dumb American that goes to one, uh, for me, two foreign cities and then starts telling everyone here in America. Well, actually, they call them chips. I'm just going to do that until y'all punch me in the goddamn face. Um, we we wandered into the city. We took the tubes, wandered into the city, and there was uh, we went to St. Paul's Cathedral. Gorgeous. You know, I mean, if you have the balls to call anything a cathedral, I, I, I'm going to imagine you've got the uh, confidence that it's beautiful, right? I don't know, there's not a lot of ugly cathedrals. Might be odd-shaped ones, different takes on the topic or the subject or the idea or the concept. But if you're like, voila, it's a cathedral. It's beautiful. And this one was. And uh, at one point we were crossing over and it, it, it just hit, it hit me suddenly. And, and I didn't bawl. I didn't cry. I have no problem crying. More men should be okay with crying. It's still silly that the concept of men crying is still sometimes treated in some circles by many as, as some sort of sin against their own masculinity. Different podcast tonight. This is a celebratory podcast, right? It's my birthday tomorrow. Actually, you're listening to this on my birthday. I'm releasing this on my birthday. Stay tuned for that. Um, but we went down we, by the, uh, the cathedral and we went on to the Millennium Bridge. And, you know, over the river uh, uh, Thames. You, you'd think that you'd, it'd be Thames, but it's Thames. I'm joking. I've known that my whole life. And that's the point of it. 
when I was, when I was 17, no, when I was like a third, fourth grade, that era, elementary school era, uh, my parents and I and my sister, about every Thanksgiving, um, particularly when I was younger, real young, we'd go up to uh, the San Bernardino Mountains here in California, a green place called Green Valley Lake, and my great aunt and uncle at the time lived there. Uh, great uncle, uncle's has since passed. Great aunt, still going, mid-90s. God bless her. Uh, and we go up there to their like, cabin. They lived, They moved up there. They lived up there. And often, and they were involved with the church locally there and, and did a lot of missionary work abroad. And, and, and for whatever reason, like London was one of their places that they would do missionary work to, which, you know, looking back, I, it seems like London's got, got God there. <laughs> They've heard of God in London before, but I, maybe I don't understand missionary work as a whole. Uh, and they would, and, and, and so they, they had some, uh, some people from London would come over and there was one particular guy. His name was Bernard, Bernard. You'd probably say Bernard, but I'd say Bernard, Bernard. And I'm not joking. I don't, this is, I don't remember his exact name, but it was close to Humpleby, like Bernard Humpleby. We'll just, we'll just go with that. And I'm not lying. It was, I, I probably, I'll ask some family members. They've all met him too. Maybe mom and, my mom and dad remember him, but I'm pretty sure that was like his name. Like he's a sketch character from Monty Python or something. Bernard Humpleby. And, and uh, I was fascinated with, with him and this land that he was from. And this was like before I was a Beatles fan. Before British music and Britpop and all those things that would come into my Monty Python, all those things later on. I was just fascinated. There's, there's things called other countries. Like, this is how young I was. You know, when you're still kind of, you know, okay, there's a globe in my classroom at school. So you're saying other people live there. That's what I'm gathering. You've got things there. This thing called Asia. You're saying there's people who live there. Uh, Europe, you're calling it. Okay. And so here was one of those people. I'm like seven, eight years old. Like, wow, I've met another person from the globe. And Bernard Humpleby would pull out maps of London. And, and I wish I, it was, it's, it's, some of it's foggy, but, but he, he would pull it out and, 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 and put this, fold out this map and, and put it on the table in front of us. And he would absolutely uh, go through every little nook and cranny of London. And I don't remember all the details. But he's probably going through the history, but he's, I just remember him tracing. And this is probably like early ASMR for me. It's probably like, I, I like watching people trace maps, right? Or, or draw maps too. And he would go and he, and he would say, this is the River Thames. Uh, we did this. And, and, and it was, that was also one of the first things that I, I learned. I probably went to school the next day. And they call it the Thames. You want to call the Thames, but it's Thames. So I didn't have friends in second grade. And so all that's in my head, right? I always, I always wanted to go to London. Even I used to, you've heard me tell the story before, before I, before I used to drink alcohol, I used to be like, you know what? I don't drink alcohol, but if I go to London and then there's a pub and a chance for a pint and fish and chips, I'm doing it. And I just never, after one point in my life, I just, it just, I didn't have a passport to have the money. My family didn't travel. I just, I just, it's, it's simple to get there. Relatively speaking. The technology exists to you to get in that flying tube thing, that canister with the wings, and it takes you over there. And that's not that I gave up hope or something. It just, my life goes on. And so finally, all the, you know, I do the podcast last time out, and I'm confused. And then I get there, 
and we're walking over the Millennium Bridge, and we're, you know, and I'd already seen the Thames flying in and driving over. We drove over it to get the the cab brought. No, the, no, we did the tube. The tube went underneath it and everything, and I had that moment, and that's cool. But I'm standing over there, and Grace, Grace, I took a picture. She's freaking out because the Globe Theater is on the other end of the Millennium Bridge, and, and that's something big for her life, and she's kind of emotional over that. And I'm just kind of taking it in, and I look at him, I'm like, I'm standing over the Thames. That river in this faraway land that Bernard Humpleby would trace with his finger on a map explaining to me his hometown as a kid. And I became fascinated with it. And every time, I, I didn't, this wasn't just like one time. I saw him like three or four times in my life. He, he would come on out to my grand uncle's, aunt and uncle's house a lot. And every time it'd be like, oh, Bernard, can you, can you bring the map out? I'd, I'd like to see London. And it was that little moment. It caught me off guard, right? Caught me off guard. And why this sounds like an infomercial for travel and getting out in the world and getting other perspectives. And I have a lot of thoughts on that. And some I don't even need to share at the podcast. Just catch, catch me drunk at a bar, I'll tell you. But it was it, it's those moments in life where, you know, you dream big as a kid or, or the world seems so wide and you, and you want to accomplish it all, accomplish all these things. And you want to touch it all. And, and you, want to, you want to just chase your dreams, so to speak. And as Noel Gallagher and Oasis sings, from England, uh, the dreams we have as children fade away. Liam might sing it too sometimes too, but you know, let's not piss off Liam. Yeah, but that's that's all the dreams we have as children fade away, and 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 it's always that's one of my favorite Oasis lyrics. Um, it's it's a, it's something that's always been in my heart and mind, and it's just so easy to let them fade away. Standing over the River Thames on a bridge is not some dream I had actively every day, like playing for the New York Yankees or writing a song or, um, you know, learning to drink Gatorade without choking. I, I don't know. There's those are dreams, but this was one of those things that connected back to that, um, time in your life where you're not worried whether things are impossible or not. You just know that they can be. And I just was overcome by that in the moment. And I, that's one of my favorite moments of the trip. A lot of big things. And, you know, you, and you see things, you know, we, we'd be past the, the Big Ben Tower and, you know, it's it, the, the, the clock is nothing. Big Ben's the bell. You got to know that. Uh, we had this wonderful cab ride out of town back to Heathrow to fly to Paris. Wonderful, wonderful cabbie named John who just started talking. And, and I, don't, I don't mind talking with drivers, but he ended up getting, he, he found out, you know, what we were doing and. Yanks on Yanks abroad, and and we were heading to Paris. He was telling us about that, but he just he just started pointing out history, explaining you know, this is kind of what you this is why cabbies in London, especially that he was a it was a black cab. And he's like this is why we're considered the best in the world, and uh, and he's just started sharing all these and we point over here and point over here in the in the history, you know, for those of you who traveled, or for those of you for other parts of the in other parts of the world, you do here. Um, um, America's got a lot of history to it. Listen, I love walking around Washington D.C. But we're so young, right? And we forget that. And I've always heard, oh, you go to other parts of the world in, in these old cities and you feel it and it's wonderful and, and, and surreal at times if you're into that thing. And I'm into that thing. And there's so many going into the old Cheshire Cheese Pub, which had been around since the 1600s, I think right after, I think it might have gone through the Great Fire of London in, in 1666 and um, had a list outside of all the, 
the, the kings and queens that have been in power, uh, uh, quote unquote power, um, well, it's been an operation. And I think with Charles, it's the 16th sovereign or something like that. And you, know, you just feel that Mark Twain and Charles Dickens used to go to the pub and it's just, it's just, it's, it's amazing stuff. And the cab driver was just pointing out, Oh, that's where the great fire of London started. It's Puddin lane. And uh, there's this and there's that. We went past the tower of London a few times and it's like, Oh, it's, it's touristy stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's, it's real, right? There's part of the, the, the London wall, the great wall that the Romans had put up. You see part of it and this, and we're passing all this stuff. And it, we get to Paris and I, I kept, I kept saying that Paris, uh, it's not a slide on London at all, but Paris had this magic to it that it was, it was like the best of the things I like about New York city and Washington DC just combined kind of uh, people watching nightlife kind of uh, bars, pubs, food, relaxing kind of atmosphere that I love about New York. Just kind of, you're out and about living and feeling the city and Paris had that in droves. And then also you turn the corner and there's an 800-year-old building that Marie Antoinette lived in until they chopped her head off. You know, like just all that kind of stuff. It's hard to explain. And for those who've been around the world more than I have, for those who have uh, uh, who live in those parts of the, uh, the world, uh, you know, you, you might take it for granted or maybe you're very much aware of it. It was something special. It was something special. So, I, you know, I'm still probably processing a lot of it too. Um, and just kind of trying to put, to, uh, you know, put to the, to the microphone, to put to the words, the, the feeling I had, it was beyond just a simple trip for me. As I, as I talked about a lot last week, it was beyond just, um, oh yeah, we're going over and isn't that fun? And it's, it's easy. And it was pretty easy. My passport didn't work. First three times I tried to swipe it. I'm not talking, boop, boop, boop. I'm talking the first three airports in which I had to swipe it, Heathrow, um, LX to Heathrow, Heathrow uh, getting out of there and then uh, into Paris. I got flagged every time. Every time I got flagged, pulled out of the line. It's disconcerting. It's nerve wracking. Scary. Scary. Going into De Gaulle from London, the um, nice lady working the the border force there behind the window was like, how long are you going to be here? So two days. Where are you coming from? I said, uh, yeah, well, United States. And she stopped and she looks at me. She goes, you, you're telling me you came over here for two days. What's the reason? I said, well, vacation. You flew from America to Paris for two days for a vacation. I said, oh, wait, oh, hold on. No, no, no. I've been in London for five days. We're just coming over here. She goes, oh, okay, that's better. And it wasn't like a friendly, that's better. It was like, you're clearly coming here to blow up the Eiffel Tower for two days. Get out of here. And then they cleared up. That was a little nerve wracking. But that, by the time I got back, it was fine. I guess, I think it was because I had a fresh baby butt of a passport and enough gray in my beard and a beanie on. We're like, we don't trust this guy. The computer doesn't trust this guy. We don't trust this guy. Anyways, it was simple. It was easy. The flight over, I watched Empire Strikes Back, fell asleep, woke up, watched about half of Last Crusade, and we were there in London. It was easy. The way back was a bit of a problem. Way back it destroyed my soul. Uh, some problems getting out of Paris, some problems getting into London, some problems getting onto the plane in London. Uh, London, like Grace and I got like more than flagged. We got like pulled aside 
she got the whole full like security groping mess. And then I got the, they, they told me to, I went through the x-ray machine and nothing beeped. So I started to walk towards my bags and they're like, hold on, take your shoes off. And they did this in very nice British accents. Take your shoes off and sit in that chair over there. So I did. And no one talked to me. They just made me sit in that chair for a bit with my shoes off. And then they went, okay, you're good. Weird times. So that was our trip back. Almost didn't make our flight out of London. Um, restless, couldn't sleep, sick. I was sick the entire time in Paris, but I didn't let it get me down. Is it, is it my Michael Jordan flu game? It is a little bit. All right. This is, I, I'm, we're 20 minutes in to the blathering. You guys have to bear with me. I do now feel like I'm an uncle at a party making you watch my slideshow. I really think I am. Um, I don't have anything else to add. I'm just happy to be back in the saddle. Happy to get back into um, into life and into the swing of things. And happy to be back in America. I, I have, you know, had some great conversations with uh, uh, some people in Paris, uh, locals, uh, uh, about the differences and living there and the cost of living there and the protests were going on. Um, our first day, Wednesday in Paris, nothing, everything was fine. Thursday, uh, we'd been told, hey, a strike's going to happen, be careful. And we went to the Louvre, came out. There's 300 French police officers standing uh, staging in the Louvre, uh, just smoking their cigarettes, looking at us like, uh, we're ready for a fight. And then uh, the protesters are about two blocks away doing the same thing. And they clashed and set fire to one building. And you could hear it from our hotel a little bit, but no one cared. <laughs> and even a lot of the French people were talking about, we're like, eh, this is what we do. We protest. We, we have revolutions. It's our tradition. It's a little game we play every year. So interesting vibe, but I, I, I'm no foreign policy expert here, right? I'm I'm not coming up with any lectures on on how we could do, except for this. I don't know if this is interesting, and this is again something I had heard, something I've been told, something I've, I've, I've seen discussed, but now I've lived it, so now I have that lived in experience. And when something affects you directly or when you experience something, that's when you start asking the important questions. It's a shame that it takes that kind of stuff, right? This is why it's so hard for us to have empathy for other people or for oppressed groups or, or uh, groups of individuals, uh, 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 groups of individuals. That sounds interesting. Groups that are, you know, fighting for their existence in this world that's why it's hard for us to have empathy because if you don't feel, uh, I, well, I don't understand it, then you, you have a tendency to pull back from it. I had heard that the, the food in Europe is definitely different, right? Duh. But specifically Paris, we were looking forward to try the, the great food in Paris. And by the way, you know, London's, I've heard a lot of English food, you know, the English don't make the best food, right? I've heard that that's been a punchline for years. I heard a great theory from my friend Jamie Stangroom about it. Not theory, just as like, you know, a reality of, of the British Empire took from so many other parts of the world. And Jamie's like, that's not a great thing. But one of the byproducts of that is so many other wonderful cultures and how they eat and how they prepare food. We're brought to England. That's why, you know, some of the best Indian food is there and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, so, you know, we kind of maybe got lazy as, as an empire and didn't work on our own food. Um <laughs> The upside is, you got, I grew up, Jamie said, I grew up with a lot of other uh, wonderful uh, uh, food and, and other people around me that, that I got to learn from. Uh, downside is, here's your fish and chips. Though the fish and chips were, were better, I did have, I had two fish and chips twice. I had to. And it was, it was good. But the, the 
food in Paris. Spectacular. But here's my thing. You guys know me. I don't, I, I love listening to conspiracy theories. I love asking, you know, hey, what's going on with that? Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think the earth is flat. And I'm not sure if Bigfoot's real, but I'm certainly interested to find out, right? We got to talk about the food differences. We got to talk about what the hell is in our food. And again, I'm not late to the party on this. I've heard this for a long time. I've seen this discussed. It's a great question. But in Paris, I ate a lot. We walked a lot. We averaged 21,000 steps each day in Paris. My body is broken. But I ate the type of food that as I was eating it, a ham and cheese crepe. I have a photo of it I'll try to post. It's, it's, it's like it's, it's a two-hander. It's a two-handed, two-handed walking crepe. But I ate that thing. And as I'm eating it, I'm thinking, this is going to kill me. One night, I had a four-cheese pizza and mozzarella sticks. Breaded mozzarella sticks. Four-cheese pizza. A lot of crust. And some bread as appetizer. And I'm thinking, I'm dead. I'm dead. Because what happens... When I eat this, eat this kind of food, no matter how many Tums I stuff down my gullet, no matter how much Pepto-Bismol I drink like it's a soda, I'm going to wake up at 3 in the morning, barfing in my mouth, heartburn that is uh, like Agent Orange dropped on unsuspecting enemies. Like, it, it's just, or troops, our own. Um, it's just, it's going to kill me. Uh, but I'm like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a go. It's all right. Didn't have that. Didn't have it at once. And a lot of you out there are probably nodding. Yes, 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 yes. I know this is the case. Yes, dumb American. Welcome to what we've been talking about. That's my point. Now I've experienced it. I've heard it. Now I've experienced it. I understand. Simple explanation. The cheese on that crepe was probably from a farm up the road. It can't just be that. It can't just be that. All the bread in that country... And everyone's doing fine. And look around here. Look at all the... I, I was on a walk tonight, uh, as I often do, to gather my thoughts. I'll be honest, to cry. And I was walking past uh, this Italian restaurant uh, around the corner from us that always looks good. It smells good. It's one of those, like, you know, Mama Luigi's, you know. Oh, that was offensive. Eh, it wasn't. Um it's one of those places, and I and they have an outside dining thing. And I was I was passing two people, and they were scarfing their faces like it was the Last Supper. And God bless it, I wish I was them because it looks so good. Pile of garlic bread, ravioli sauce just dripping over the plate. Also, I'm recording this episode having um, not had dinner yet. Um, I was looking. I was like, oh, I'd like, oh, I should go there. That would I'd be dead. I'd be dead. My heart would explode. My throat would crawl out of my head and strangle me out of anger and revenge if I did that. It's got to be more than just the French used cheese from a cow up the, up the road. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be, you know, uh, they bake their bread differently. What the fuck is in our food? I'm now open to all conspiracy theories on this. And when did this start? That's the thing. I understand we prepare things different. We have more sugar, this and that. Totally, totally get that. Simple. I get it. But the thing is, like, the bread I had there, 
it wasn't like, oh, this tastes completely different. No, it tasted like the bread I'd have in, you know, Burbank, Pasadena, Portland. It, 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 it didn't taste different. The result was different. That's got me wondering. That's what my head is spinning around about. I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on the show. This seems like this is a boring fucking episode here. And there's, you know, probably serious issues, serious things going on in the world. I, I am mad at some of the things. Of course, it's a given. I think I'm I'm really mad right now about the fuck is in our food. Preservatives, this, that, I know. Got it. So here's step one is find out why. But what I want to know is, it'd be, you're, if you're nodding your head out there, yes, Ken, I, yes, Ken, I've been telling you this for a while. I want to know, send me some sources and not like weekly world news. Send me some stuff, science journal stuff. It's not only what's in our food to me, it's when. When. I had three of the biggest slices of four cheese pizza. And they don't, and here's a neat little trick. I don't know if they did this to spite us because we were Americans, but they didn't, the restaurant we were at, they didn't slice the pizza into nice convenient slices. They were like, "Here's here's a giant round circle of cheese and dough and sauce. Good luck with that, Yanks. And we had to slice it ourselves with not a pizza slicer or pizza scissors like I have here in Burbank, a, a small knife. But I did it, Frenchies. I did it despite you. And the cheese, you couldn't even, I had to hold it up with one hand and a fork because it was so just, just covered in wonderful cheese and sauce. And it was like a, normally I like a, you know, I like generally most of my meals are in a car or while walking. So that's why one of those I don't, one of the reasons I don't like New York pizza. I don't mean to start a fight with the New Yorkers, but you're like, oh, pizza's so big here. We got 12 inches of pizza. It's not convenient. All right? It's a big, wet, honking piece of paper that droops everywhere and I can't eat it while I walk. Give me a nice, compact, I'll say it, erect piece of pizza. But this, this Paris pizza, no, it was floppy. And it was good. But I remember I put the, I'm putting the mozzarella stick in my mouth. That long, hot, hard thing. I'm putting it in my mouth. With gusto. And I'm thinking, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm going to wake up barfing like I do in, 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 in America. And I didn't. So what? But when? When? Was the industrial age? Was it was it was it the explosion of of of, of conglomerates and and trust that needed to be broken? Was it 1897? You can't tell me that like when I'm playing like Red Dead Redemption Two and I'm like in the 1800s, you can't tell me that the bread I'm eating in that game had preservatives in it, right? You just can't. You can't convince me of that. So at what point in 1902 did a bunch of robber barons get together in conjunction with the mole people? Uh, we're through the looking glass here, people. It's actually the Simpsons references, the saucer people. Um, when was this decided? What's in the food? When and why? I'm all ears. Like, this is the Da Vinci Code movie I want. Da Vinci Code goes to the Louvre and all that kind of stuff. The Louvre was amazing, by the way. So I saw the Mona Lisa, kids. 
I saw Venus de Milo. Venus de Milo. I stood in front of those things. Unbelievable. But I want to trace this. I want to, is there clues on the dollar bill and that pyramid with the eye? Is the eye winking at us going, you're going to have sucrose and glucose and, and red dye number five. Like, is that, you know, like they, they don't have Diet Coke in Paris, right? I couldn't, here's two things I could, I don't, by the way, if I drink rum, I, I try to have diet. If I'm going to grab a soda, it is diet. And I know it's also an excellent way to clean my car battery. Totally get that. I don't have it a lot, all right? Switch the Zevias, other unhealthy fruit juices. Like, I'm drinking this Gatorade thing that who knows what's in here. I didn't see this on the shelves in Paris. But the fact that uh, most countries are like, no to Diet Coke because it's poison. And you're you're not getting heartburn for from our pizza. That's concerning to me. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm doing this with a slight wink and a nod, but folks, we need answers about the cheese. We do. We need answers about the bread. And and what do we do we take to the streets for that? There's a lot of things we should take to the streets to right now. Like, I had some good conversations with some some nice locals there who were talking about the protests going on, and and, and this is you know, the general wrap-up of the the concept behind the protest was, you know, uh, French President uh, Macron uh, was going to raise the retirement age to 64, and the way in which he was doing that was a problem, kind of enforced. I'm skipping over all the details, you know. But I did read up on a lot of it before heading over there because I want to know if I turned the wrong corner and suddenly I was in a French protest, I don't know what side on. I just want to know what the issues were. I, I read up on it. Um, but the age of retirement, they're 62, right? That's kind of the big thing. And I was talking to, we were at this tattoo parlor and, and the tattoo artist was was doing his, uh, his magic and was hanging out with his friend, Renee. And we're talking about it. He's like, you know, the general vibe is, yeah, not everyone agrees. Not everyone in France agrees with the French protest. A lot of them see the reality of our economy's not doing great. Um, we don't have a lot of Russian tourist money coming in right now. We don't have a lot of tourist money from a lot of parts of the world. It's just America that we're relying on. And he goes, that's why we, we really right now love the Americans and we have to love the Americans, which I, I should have said, then start cutting up our fucking pizzas at restaurants. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to start a problem. Um, but you know, they, 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 uh, they weren't all on board for the protest, but it is kind of like, they all kind of agree. It's kind of what we do here. Like, like I said earlier, I think we should take a lesson from them. Um, we should not have insurrections. There's a difference. There's a difference when you uh, congregate and riot based on lies versus actual injustices. That's the difference. Some of you can leave a nasty comment. I love it when y'all come in there with that shit. Bro, I used to be a fan of you on uh, Schmoes, but now you're a real dumb fuck. That's not the victory you think it is. When that happens, by the way, we screen cap your profile and all of us on that show that you used to love, we share it and go watch out for this dipshit. Maybe pre-block them or 
Just be aware he might show up. And then we all take turns making fun of you. It's not the victory you think it is because you don't agree with my politics. Um, but outside of false pretenses like January 6th, maybe we should take the streets more. I've seen a lot of stuff right now with what's going on in Tennessee, the gun violence issue, oh, this just tragic, poor, just I don't even have the words to describe this, uh, this kid, a 16-year-old kid shot, like knocking on the wrong door. Tra- tragedy it does I, 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 I this mind blowing and, and I know his his fellow students and classmates and, and faculty from school were marching tonight and and maybe we all should do that maybe it's time to take it to the streets for real because there's real issues for that but I'm not kidding we should start asking more questions on the fucks in our cheese because you look around it's affecting all of us it truly is affecting all of us. Just walk down a street in Paris and look at the locals. And these these are, they're, they're puffing cigarettes like they're Clark Gable on a, on a break from shooting. Like, they're just puffing away. And I bet they're going to live longer than us. I, it just, and it's all about the cheese and bread. I'm telling you, there's something going on. I know I sound like an idiot. I know I sound like a dumb idiot. I look like one. By the way, I'm a shill tonight completely. If you're watching, by the way, thanks to everyone who listens to this podcast version. That's the way right now in which I make the most money to um, buy more uh, bad cheese. Um, but uh, I am, uh, if you're watching the YouTube version, I am, I am, I am wearing the Team Zoc TZ beanie and uh, a white version of the Hope shirt. You can't get this version, but um, you can get a Hope shirt. Maybe if you're all nice, I'll release the white version with the black font. Um, so a little bit of housekeeping. Um, if you go to the YouTube videos, uh, whether I game stream or just uh, even this one now, there's a link down below to my stream elements shop, which is different than my T public shop, which quite frankly might go away soon because even when I really, the, when I first launched T public, I got, I got some sales on shirts and we got a lot of sales on the afternoon shirts when we launched um, that shirt and when the podcast launched. I think the highest I ever got one month was like 22 bucks, right? Um, it's not, it's not, you can't make a living. Uh, stream Elements, which is more integrated to what I do with the game streaming on the YouTube side. It's all right there. Uh, got a wonderful line of uh, Team Zoc merch up there. Uh, and then I think I'm going to add some more things along the way too. Check that out. The beanie is actually, uh, I'm wearing it everywhere because it's really comfortable and it's my own branding. TZ, Brian Ward designed that on a whim and he's a genius. Uh, And then the Hope shirt is also designed by Brian Ward Um, and it's available only on my Patreon page right now at the merch level. Uh, There's also a hoodie version available for anyone that wants to go to the clink clink level. You don't have to. Uh, Anyways, uh, check it out. Consider it. Uh, uh, I'm going to leave Paris behind for a second. Um, I, this was not a, 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 just on a whim, let me design the shirt or have Brian design the shirt. And, and this is not the only hope shirt out there. I've seen some other hope shirts that just say hope on it, but this is, uh, this is in star Wars, specifically the, like the, the solo, a star Wars story font. And I just was thinking, I was, I was like, I want to put some new merch out there. I want it to not be about me. I do have all the team Zoc merch you want though including the donut logo, which is particularly uh, wonderful. 
Um, but there is this, um, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to on my Patreon page to have like sign up and get a t-shirt with my face on it. Like that's probably better branding, but that's, that's not what I want, especially if you support my Patreon. So I came with the idea of simple. I was like, you know what? I want a shirt. I like my black tees because it hides my fat fat. And I just want white font. I want the word hope. Because this is, it's about Star Wars. It's about what Star Wars is about. It's what's at the center of the stories that inspire us. And it's also maybe what we need. It's what I need. I need hope that things are going to be okay for me right now. It's my, it's my birthday tomorrow, or, or again, today, while you're listening to this. And it's not a happy, happy, cheer, cheer one for me. Like, and not the, the age thing doesn't. I turned 47. God bless me. Just, you know, a lot of struggles going on in my own life. And in, in, in the world, of course, yes. And I'm trying to be plugged in more to the world, but I'm not waking up in a great place. I'm not going to bed in a great place. And so all of it's kind of hitting me hard. So I need hope. And I want to look in the mirror and see it. And so this is not just a silly little Star Wars adjacent um, shirt. It's something that I think one uh, I want to represent me and what I try to do. And that includes maybe going forward some of the times here on the blathering. Um if things, if things in the world piss me off, especially politically, I'm going to talk about it. But I also, I also, man, I, I, I don't, I can't let that stuff chew me up as much. And this is not me saying, oh, this is only going to be a silly, silly, funny, funny show. No, I'm always going to get serious. I'm always going to expose things about my, um, my own life that aren't going well. Or I always try to keep a little more for myself than I used to in the past, but uh, you know, and again, something about uh, the absolute insane uh, gun violence situation in our country goes on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about it. By the way, I that that came up a few times, um, not just in London or Paris, but there was one specific time in, in Heathrow. Grace and I were, were talking to a guy who's uh, living in London but born and raised in Hong Kong, Hong Kong, and we had seen him a couple times. We had this weird travel situation getting from Paris to London, and we just we were with him on the flight and just kind of stuck in the same horrible situation. So we chatted and, and he, um, I think he said he'd been to America, but he, he had his young preteen son with him. And he's like, I'll, I'll never take him to America. I'll never take him to America. The guns, the guns. And, and, and it was just, he, and there was a couple of times that it would come up. It was amazing to hear the other perspective from f- folks around the world. Cause um, they all talked about crime crime being prevalent in London and Paris. We got told several times, be careful, a lot of knife crime, a lot of knife crime, right? Uh, Paris has some real bad parts. You got to be careful about what turned at London. Um, at one point there was one night uh, because it was Easter weekend, the, the tubes again, folks, that's what they call the subway subway. The tube stopped and we had to like walk back to our hotel through some interesting areas of London. And, you know, I was trying to, uh, switch into my security vibe as much, but every, every every person who would talk about the gun issue or would ask us about it would say, by the way, crime is real here, which is my thing too. Crime is real. Crime is real. We have to find the better ways to fight it and the better ways to stop it and the weather, better ways to, to build a culture that can um, not have as much crime, but uh, it's a long process. But when it came to guns and what's going on here, mind you, when we're there in London, the, the, the shooting in Louisville happened. Um, and it just seemed weird. It was weird to be in another country where that wasn't really the front page news. It was because 
here it's happening again with these dumb Yanks. And 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 the, the idea this 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 gentleman from Hong Kong who's living in London, just like I, I just he couldn't understand why don't y'all fix it? He knows that necessarily we can't fix it, but us our leaders are. What I don't it, you, it's very clear what the problem is. It's puzzling why you're all not fixing it. So almost this attitude of and he wasn't doing this saying this type of thing, but the attitude of like we wash our hands of it. You've all you all figure your shit out. Because we all know the answer. Why aren't you getting to it? It's a weird kind of experience. That was one of the more cultural exchange perspective kind of moments for me. Anyways, this is the Hope shirt. We need hope. Um, this is an exclusive white with black font. But the black with white font is available on Patreon. And if enough of you sign, off, sign up and enough of you want this version, we'll figure something out. All right. It is, it is my birthday. I have nothing planned. I'm working. Release this show. Um, doing a live stream. Recording a, a Mando review. Um, I'm working. And, and, and that's what I do. I just had a relaxing two and a half days in Paris. And, and London was was kind of relaxing, but didn't get a lot. I didn't sleep for like nine to ten days. And I, I mean that. Like three to four hours of bad sleep every night. Not always because it was a wild, crazy, we're drinking and partying in the hotel lobby and that a lot of that happened. But just I, I, it, jet lag was real. The sickness hit me. Um, uh, and thank God I didn't catch COVID. Some people I know did. Um, so I can't, I've, I'm still exhausted. I'm still exhausted even right now. So I don't have a, I don't have time for my birthday this year. But I want to make sure that I don't let that um, lead me down a path of depression. You know, birthdays have that. If you're of the certain type, or either you're the type that's like, it's my birthday, and you throw parties for weeks, and you want gifts, and you want balloons, and you just think you're the greatest thing in the world, and everyone should celebrate you. And then there's the rest of us who are like, fuck. Fuck. I've had good birthdays. I've had fun birthday parties. I love them. I'm going to maybe try to gather some folks for fire pit this weekend, but I don't know, you know, and, and, and but this one's, it's not the age. It's the, what the fuck am I doing thing? Cause this is my, we're in my 25th year in LA. I think in August, I have to do the math, but in August I hit 25 years in LA. I think all I have to show for it is a negative $3 bank account. And I just can't wrap my head around that on my birthday. But I don't want that to guide me. I want to have hope. I want to have hope. And you know what? You all do that. You all do that. You provide me hope and hopefully you provide hope for yourself. You're all wonderful people who listen to the show, interact with me. Had a lot of wonderful exchanges. This is where I'll kind of end the episode here. Had some wonderful exchanges in London at the Excel Center or around the Excel Center or the stand-up show, which was a wonderful smashing success. Uh, planning on uh, putting together my half of the show and releasing it as a comedy EP. Um, so look for that. And I'm saying that not as an exclusive, but to hold myself accountable to do it. Uh, had some wonderful exchanges. Uh, it's nice to hear people come up and say, Hey, I love the show, man. Um, what would you do? Or you make me laugh or you make me think and all that kind of stuff. That's great. 
And I hope you all get to experience that in some way in your life. Maybe you're a nurse, a teacher. Maybe you do something at work. Maybe you mentor someone. Uh, maybe your kid. I don't know. Um, we all need that every once in a while. Not just that we need to know that what we do or who we are matters. Because we do. We do matter. But I... This, this world's crazy, right? I wanted, I wanted to be stupid and silly in this episode. But this is one thing I took from London, man. This is the hope I found there. A lot of people would come up to me and Joseph. Um, and a lot of us, a lot of, a lot of them would come up individually while Joseph was talking to another or one was talking to me. And um, the amount of people that would start the conversation was saying, hey, I love the show. But more than that, I, I just love what you I love the way you approach it. And they're talking about Star Wars, but then it would quickly spill out into life. And the amount of people that say, hey, you you got me through a real tough time. I was in a job I didn't like. And, you know, I try to love Star Wars and some people hate it. And, you know, I get down about that. But more than anything, the way you guys talk about Star Wars made me think about my own life and who I am. And it helped me and it changed me. That happened constantly. And there was a couple of people that got tears in their eyes. And I would get tears in mine. Because I think that's what this is all about right now in this world. Uh, I like dumb, silly entertainment, right? I love playing silly video games. I like hanging out with you all on live streams, uh, playing video games. And if I can make a buck or two on it, that helps me in my career. I love doing stand-up shows. I love making you all laugh. But... I think we all need each other right now. And to every one of those people that came up to me at the convention to not just say, oh, I love Star Wars. Cause, and, that, and, and that was the difference. And Joseph and I talked about this. Um, 2015, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim uh, certainly wasn't as known. The Schmoes thing was still going strong. Um, Jedi Alliance had been a thing. Force Center had not yet started. So you get, I get stopped, and it was like, love the show, love the schmoes. 2017, it was love collider, love collider. Ooh, this new schmodown thing. Great, great, great. 2019, Chicago was a little bit more like, hey, love what you do. Yeah, thanks for, hey, I like The Last Jedi too. Woohoo. I, oh, I love the schmodown. That's great. Or, hey, you're going to be on Mark Ellis' show. Uh, but 2022, Anaheim, which wasn't too long ago, a Star Wars celebration, the tone shifted. And it definitely was different here in London. The tone wasn't again, oh, thanks for liking Solo, A Star Wars Story. I like it too, and you like it too, and that makes me feel good. The people that came up to me and just said, I, I appreciate the way in which you discuss things. I appreciate the way in which Joseph and you and Jennifer don't just break down Star Wars. You, you discuss what it means. discuss what it matters. And it's more than just being positive, more than just liking Star Wars. It's, it's about engaging with this art that shapes us, informs us, changes us. I had one guy come up to me after the comedy show, who wasn't like a big listener. He didn't know me. He just showed up. His sister was. And his sister and her husband and him had come to this comedy show that we did. And he's like, I've heard all about you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check you out. In fact, I think he at one point said, I'm going to check you out. I haven't really heard you. And he was probably a casual Star Wars fan. But he said, he said to me with, with a little tears in his eyes, because I need to thank you. The way in which you guys talk about Star Wars has changed my, my sister. And he didn't go into too many details of where she was in her life before. He did mention, he goes, you know, she had not been kind of, she wasn't really sure about the sequels and everything. But beyond that, he said, because you, you, 
You've helped her. You've changed my sister, and I want to thank you for that. I got that a lot. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying I needed to hear that. They needed to hear stuff from me, just like they hear from uh, me on the podcast, because I think that's what we all need right now. That's why I contend it's not just Star Wars. Star Wars is silly and, and, and stupid at times and, it, and not everything I like. But Star Wars is this thing that absolutely can be a power in, in your life, just like any other kind of art. That's why I like talking about music in this way. It can change you when you let it change you. It, it can make you look inside you, your own soul, and, and ask, who am I and where do I want to go? What does this really mean to me? Uh, things will hit you at different times in your life and when you need to hear it this is the music thing works like that for me I, i've always been a youtube fan but in my early 20s I, I needed to hear their spiritual message wrapped up in regular rock and roll I needed it needed to find me george harrison's solo music needed to find me when i was at my lowest even though i'd already been a fan and i already owned george harrison albums later on the right time in my life it found me i'm currently under a a a a, a an absolute spell with the words and music and, and career of David Bowie. Uh, you guys have always heard, heard me talk about Bowie, but now it means even something more. And, and I'm not lying that I think, um, for me, my recent deep dive into into the the life and times of Lady Gaga is is not just uh, pop music. It's a, it's a it's a it's an artistic journey that's helped me. It really has, and that's what I get from them. And I don't have a you know. I haven't run into Lady Gaga at a convention, but I would tell her the same thing, just like these people tell me, because I think this is what we all need right now. We're all craving this. We're all craving something more real than the surface-level pungentry, the surface-level commentary, this reactionary society that we don't watch things, we watch other people react to things, this throwaway art, everything is content, and that's not going to go away. And I don't necessarily think that should go away. I like watching a silly dog video on YouTube as, as, as much as the next person. And we need that. But we also need to know that everything about this world matters because everything else is just chaos right now. It's just destruction and pain and suffering. It always has been, but it's in our faces in a way that we were never built to take. We're never, we were never built to take this 24-second news cycle. And each bit of news is worse than the last. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do with ourselves. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. I live in a country that swear to God, your next trip to the grocery store could be your last. You don't know. Because someone who wanted meaning in his life and couldn't find it, couldn't process it, had easy access to a weapon and went out to give some sort of sick meaning to his life that he couldn't get in other spots. And boom, you're done. It's reality. It's scary. And we're struggling to make bills, uh, struggling to pay rent. We're struggling to live. And everyone around you has fallen in, in one way or another. And so I think we all need to huddle up together. And I, every person that came up to me to talk about a silly little Star Wars podcast blew past Star Wars as a talking point and talked about not just that they had a they got to know me in some parasocial relationship kind of way, but just that our words mattered to them. And then in that moment, those words mattered to me, mattered to Joseph. And I don't know where to go with this. 
I think it ties into also me traveling abroad. And, and for the first time, I've talked to people from other countries, of course, because they've come here. So many wonderful people come to America, and I still believe in America. I still believe in America. I think that's why we all should fight for it even more. Not, not let those barbarians who are running the gates keep us all out of our own country. But to see that the struggle's going on over there, that the, the two friends I made in, in, in Paris are like, it's expensive here, and we don't know what to do either. And I'm not happy my job, and I don't know what's next, and I want to go to the country so my kid, my kid has a better chance than me. You know, like, that stuff was real there. It's all of us. It's always been. But now it's so, so in our own faces. So thanks to anyone and everyone who came up to tell me that stuff. Because it's changed from 2015. From woohoo, pit boss. To hey man. At my lowest, your podcast found me. And to those people I say at my lowest. And this, this year's my lowest. It's been in a while. Your words are finding me. So keep saying those words and tell people in your life who matter, tell them that they matter and tell them why they matter. And I hope, I hope you all out there can have someone tell you that. And if you don't, if you don't feel you do, I'm telling you two things right now. You matter. And if you need me to tell you directly, let me know. I'll tell you, y'all matter. Now, let's all come together and let's figure out the fuck is going on with our cheese here in America. See you next time here on The Blathering. Mm-hmm.